join me on my perch at the far end of the bar. Evening. You're slurping. Is it the, the job of the barman to slurp in front of his guests? Of course, I've got to make sure that everything's in order with the ale. I can't be serving substandard booze, can I? I'm let our listener in on a, on a secret here. Uh, well, it's not much of a secret. Just before we um, um, came on to the podcast, I think that's the technical term, isn't it? <laughs> no. As we came on to <laughs> Under the no pod- circumstances <laughs> is that ever the technical term for anything. Not waggling a little do. finger and saying, come on, my beauty, come on. <laughs> come on to the podcast. We were talking about custard. Mm, of course. This is the um, sort of thing we do. We don't see each other from, you know, weeks on end sometimes. Uh, and <laughs> within seconds, we can be on to various foodstuffs, food normally sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, you you were um you were uh, having a a, a a square of dark chocolate melt on your tongue mm. as as we joined our forces together tonight. Yes, that's my little and treat I mentioned for the that day. I, ju- I just had a little um a little repast, uh, followed by half a bowl of bread and butter pudding with custard, egg custard. Mm. Now, let's let's dive into custard. Um, oh, wh- shall what, we? No, we? If we could do that, we could have a circus act. <laughs> we could do, <laughs> I can see us now. Diving into custard from 20 feet. shorts that they used to wear in the 1930s. The hooped, the hooped bathing suit. Yes. A twiddly moustache. Well, we've both got one of those. So I dare say a little, little bit of a wax. Up the rickety ladder we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the, the tensionous music is building as we take our dive into the deep uh, pool of egg custard. It would have to be not, deep for us, though, wouldn't it? Not so much a splash as a bloop. Have you ever seen someone dive from um, a great height into a small pool? I've never seen that happen. I have. I've have seen you? It. Yes. And I think it was at um, SeaWorld. Of course. Was I either SeaWorld or somewhere else. In Florida? Um, yes, it was definitely in Florida. Um, mm. This person went up um, the erection, the enormous erection that, that, that was very precarious. Mm-hmm. Happens with age, doesn't it? Up the ladder in the bathing suit, and there is just a small pool at the bottom. When I say small pool, it was it was probably about four or five feet deep that you could deep. see. Yes. Oh, oh there's now, an whether optical went, whether illusion. Whether subterranean, I don't know. I see. But certainly the illusion was that it was four to five feet deep. When he uh, dived off the board... Yes. Did he have his hands together? Yes. Like they do? Yes. And did he go head first? The swan dive. Up in the air and then head first. Yes, and then head first. Head first. Well, into four feet of water. I'm talking of old circus acts. I haven't seen that. But do you remember a long time ago Hmm. when we used to do a radio show? Yes. And we had something called a budget um, and uh, the use of the radio car and producer Lady Joe. Oh, Joe. I know where we can send Ben. And I think, I, if I remember correctly, I was sent down to Shetton Mallet for right. the uh, Bath and West Country show. Okay. And I, I interviewed a man before and after he was shot out of a cannon. I, don't, that, I have no memory of that you whatsoever. No memory of that? No memory of that at all. It, it was the same day 
we interviewed Rosie Boycott, the former editor of The Independent. Anyway, that's Well, it. well done for that. I mean, if you've I, got anyway. an encyclopedic memory of that, God bless you. It will never go away. In my head, those things are linked. Rosie Boycott, former editor of The Independent, um, came on the radio. We talked to her about legalising cannabis, and then a man got shot of a cannon. Of course. So, of course. <laughs> that's the way of all things. <laughs> anyway, uh, the difference, please, in your own words, uh, and not too many of them, if you can manage that, between egg custard and other custard. Other custard. <laughs> egg custard. Beautiful. <laughs> nice. That is the most brevitous. I made that word up as well. That's well, I think we should now include. We should, we should, hang on. Let me just write that down. Brevitous. Brevitous. Oh, yes. Okay. That word has now been written down and will be passed down the generations. Brevitous. <laughs> the most brevitous I've ever have been. Yes, excellent. <laughs> to mangle the English language even more, <laughs> I ever have been. Why is it we're not on the radio anymore? Actually, that, that's that's have not you an heard the radio joke. lately? <laughs> we, we, we'd be perfectly suited. We've gone backwards. <laughs> circus hacks, circus hacks. Before we move away from the bizarre and the wonderful, uh, mm-hmm. reminds me of um, again. On the radio, I used to do a, a, an early evening program, which is where we first met, really. Yes. Um, and uh, do you remember a, a lady, an elderly lady, who used to call us from Cheltenham? Mm, remind me. Uh, well, she was an elderly lady, and she lived in Cheltenham, <laughs> and she had a telephone, and she used to use it to phone us. <laughs> uh, but she had the most magnificent stories. Okay. I have no way of telling whether or not they were true, but and she was one of those old gals who had a wonderful voice. Excellent. She was well in her 90s. She had lived a fantastic life. And amongst other things, she had been Stephen Fry's nanny. Wow. I mean, um, I must have been off that night because I definitely would have oh, remembered she, that. She used to ring quite frequently. Um, but the other thing that uh, that she told me was that in a wonderful life, a wonderful full life, she had uh, travelled to America and taken part in some of the fairs, uh, and been, in fact, been part of some of the fairs that travel around. Some oh, of the, the carnivals. fairs. Yeah. In those old caravans. She and... had been a carny. Wow. In America. Amazing. And guess what she did? She, um... And you get three guesses here. And she shot out the cannon and landed in a pool of custard. Is that... <laughs> it was close, but no cigar, as they say um, in the carnival. She swallowed flaming knives. Well, she could have been fl- uh, the, the, the flaming knife swallower, but she wasn't. <laughs> okay. Um, she juggled uh, mace. Mace. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Maces or Mace the Spice? Mace, Mace, Mace I. <laughs> she juggled geese on a slack wire. No, what she, what, what she did, what she did was she rode the Wall of Death. Oh, the Wall of Death. Now I have seen that, but and I mean, ah, oh, what a thing that is. Here's the first question that always springs into my mind for a lot of these things, but particularly in this case, who thought of that? Yeah, well, there you go. Who thought, now there's, uh, um, how would you call it, uh, a tube 
um, set in the ground. It wouldn't be called a tube, would it? What would it be called? It'd be called I think a, a ring. A ring. A, a okay. circle. A wall. A circular wall. Yes, a circular wall set, it, it, almost gladiatorial, mm. uh, set in the ground, and at the bottom, someone would uh, would sit on a motor motorbike and build up speed until they could stop going round and round and round the bottom of this this walled tube thing in the ground that we don't know the name of, and then yep. slowly make their way up the wall until centrifugal force kept them there going round and round and round. Yeah. And round and round. And people would cheer and throw their hats in the air. And, then and everything would be magnificent. One hand, one hand would come off the handlebar. And then another both. Another big cheer. Then both. They'd steer with their knees. Oh, then they'd reach into their pocket and start juggling hamsters. Amazing. And then they would make custard. But, <laughs> but here's the greatest thing of them all. Not only did she ride the wall of death mm. on a motorcycle, but there was a sidecar. Oh, brilliant. And in the sidecar was... A chimpanzee. A lion. Oh, come on now. <laughs> I was all in for that story until the lion appeared. Well, i got to tell now, you know, you come, you come on this radio programme, I said, you come on this radio programme with this magnificent tale of riding the wall of death on the carnivals, the state fairs of America, and you tell me that you had a lion. Yes. Yeah, OK. And so there she is going... Whizzing round the wall of death with the lion in the sidecar and all's going well until she jumped the shark. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's a magnificent thing. I wanted that to believe, to believe oh, yeah. that that was true. Even if it wasn't, I don't care. Exactly. As far as Who I'm cares? concerned, she rode the wall of death mm -hmm. with a lion in the sidecar. What a lady. And they think Xboxes are fun. I know, right? <laughs> I think the thing about the the, the carnival and, and fairs, certainly the ones I experienced over the years, is that you're, you're it, there's always a sense of disappointment, isn't there? Everything is built up to to you know uh, be fabulous. Come behind this curtain and see this thing. Pay mm. your fifty cents. Pay your two pounds. Whatever, wherever you are in the world. Come behind this curtain and you will see something magnificent. You know, old P.T. Barnum was the great con man, wasn't he? he yeah. Was great. Uh, he had the, he had a, a tremendous sign that said, uh, "This way to the egress." <laughs> and you think, my goodness me, What's I've got to see the egress, haven't I? And you paid your dollar, and you went behind the curtain, and there would be another sign that said, "This way to the egress," yeah. and you would go on and on and on through this labyrinth, and eventually another one, another sign. Uh, would appear over a door that said egress and you went through the door and you were out of the tent because egress yeah. means exit he was uh, we uh, you know you get those things that have kind of become family favorites as you uh, as you're growing up and one of ours was a video that eventually got worn out and we weren't able to watch it for years until um, we I stumbled across a DVD of it in a jumbo sale I think and it was of Michael Crawford playing Barnum on the West End, and I mean, what a show! Yeah. I wish I'd been able to see that yeah. live. Yeah. Because imagine Michael Crawford in his absolute pomp, 
um, performing that show. Absolutely brilliant. And um, Sucker Born Every Minute. I did see it live once at the Hippodrome, and it was, um, oh, what's his name? It's a puppet. It's a um, puppet. It was him doing yes. it. And, it, and he was yeah, very good. I saw that production as well. Uh, and, and I also I, saw Paul Nicholas. I, I think it. I was probably spoiled by Crawford doing yeah. it. I didn't enjoy that yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, you didn't? Uh, no. Uh, it's, it's, a fine, um, it's a fine musical. Um, and it's great songs. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the songs. The music written by Cy Coleman, who mm-hmm. wrote Sweet Charity. Uh, yep. And just recently, I've been listening to an awful lot of Cy Coleman. Um, uh, Gwen Verdon and Bob Fosse, um, great titans of Broadway and later film. Bob Fosse, of course, won multiple Oscars for Cabaret. Um, and the two of them were together. Uh, and uh, one of their great successes early on was Sweet Charity, which was written, uh, the music was written by Cy Coleman, the words were written by Dorothy Fields. Uh, it didn't really work as a film, but on stage, fantastic. Fantastic. Mm. Uh, and I think watching the Bob Fosse, uh, Gwen Verdon thing, Fosse Verdon, uh, a couple of years ago now, um, just reminded me just how good Cy Coleman uh, was. And his music will go on forever. And there, mm. there are wonderful songs from Sweet Charity. Uh, and then just recently I was listening to Barnum. Funny you should mention, how, how comes you know what's going on inside my brain? <laughs> it's kind of scary, that. Yeah, really. it is. Uh, so <laughs> Cy Coleman was, has been on my radar now for a couple of weeks and listening to a great yeah. jazz piano player as well. Um, but yeah, the music of Barnum by Cy Coleman. Wonderful stuff. Now, um, I've got two important questions for you. All right. I'll take them in order. I'm ready. I'm mind. braced. Uh, what are you having to drink? Ah. Well... Because you're not leaving this bar tonight until you've ordered and consumed a drink. Right. Okay. In which... So you, you have to order a drink I have. Okay. I think you might have this. And um, you may scoff when I order this. Uh, but I think you may have this. I would like... A, if there was a, if, a glass if, if of we, water, because um, I won't be happy. It's not a glass of water. It's a glass uh, of sparkling water. Okay. And it's not just a glass of sparkling water it's a glass of lightly sparkling water (laughs) not just a glass of lightly sparkling water but a glass of natural lightly sparkling water if i may a badois no in a glass Do you feel the, the ghost of Eric Morecambe on my back, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll set him up, you knock him down. Um, okay, well, I'll uh, obviously have to take a trip down to the cellar to go through my extensive selection. Just to find out if there's any damp down there and whether or not yeah. it's bubbling. Yes, I know. Because I think if you add some of that mould from the ceiling into a glass of water, I think it might like the now. sparkle, mightn't it? Ah. Okay, here's my second question for you, and this one's a big one. Okay. I want you to be um, to treat it with the uh, reverence, the reverence that it deserves. How far away from your toilet is your toothbrush? Oh, um, not that far. I would say three feet. Oh, so it's that's within a meter, right? That's fantastic. Did you work that out yourself? You went to school, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, you're the the scientist in you. Rising to the, well, it's 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 three feet, um, uh, horizontally it's three feet, and it mm-hmm. would be about four feet up. Okay, so 
comfortably within a metre. Right. I say again. Okay, well, in that case, I recommend that you may wish to move it. Ah. Because... Pourquoi? Um, do you remember uh, in the in season one of the Far End of the Bar, hashtag TFEOTB, email us at the Far End of the Bar at gmail.com. Um, we used to, I used to bring you updates from things what Tobias has said. Oh, yes. And um, one of the things what Tobias said to me was, when, do you remember we were in the toilet in the separate cubicles and uh, I just heard the voice from the other cubicle go, do you sit or stand? And uh, this is, this, <laughs> this is, uh, here's another one. Write this one down. This is appertaining to the <laughs> question I've just asked you <laughs> about the toothbrush. Because if you stand, yeah, uh, and um, you for your number ones, yes, the uh, cascade of the liquid entering the toilet bowl um, creates what um, is described in this article that I've been reading as massive droplets. And also satellite droplets, and there's also splashback when a large splash when droplets hit from that height, and they can reach up to between two and three meters. Between two and three meters. Yeah. So everyone who's listening to this podcast now should think about where, in relation, they should think about where their toothbrush is in relation to the toilet. Right. Okay. Well, this is because this, this, this kind of news. This this is the kind of thing that 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 sends people mad. I know. Uh, in Germany, and um, I think we might need to hear from uh, Hermann the Camp German shortly. They have um, a growing movement um, to persuade their menfolk to uh, sit down uh, when they have the number ones, um, and. Uh, a man who sits to pee is known as a sitzsplinkler. A sitzsplinkler. I have been a sitzsplinkler for most of my life. There's a device called a WC Geist, uh, which lives under the toilet seat. And if you lift the seat in order to do your number one, a voice orders you to sit down. Sitzsplinkler! And the genius moment about this particular um, device that you can buy is you can get it with the voice of Angela Merkel. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. You see, I well, I, having brought that piece of knowledge to us, I, I think that we should adopt this uh, sit sprinkler. Um, mm. And, and uh, much in the same way as the Satnav voices have taken uh, celebrities on board, Yes, uh, and with Angela Merkel uh, in mind, leading the way. I think, I think, I can see a, a new opening here for Anne Widdicombe. I absolutely Anne Widdicombe, and um, because just if she told you to sit down, you would sit down, wouldn't you? I mean, uh, um, uh, just a shoehorn, <laughs> just a shoehorn in. If the only one... our listener could see your face. <laughs> the disdain. <laughs> I cannot. I, I cannot I, tell you the disdain which, I, which just, just. In, well, it, 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 it went it from his more, forehead to his chin. 
it was more the pain of the amount of potential responses to Anne Widdicombe telling me to do anything that, that cascaded through my brain at high speed and I had to settle on <laughs> as the only one appropriate to add to the podcast. Um, so, no, but I like that idea of adding more and more celebrity yes. voices to the yes. uh, to the device that orders you to sit down. And um, just to shoehorn in the one impression I can do vaguely accurately, um, just to imagine uh, Alan Green um, voicing, <laughs> voicing the device. Sit down! There we go. Uh, Alan Green, five live. Sit down. <laughs> sit down. Uh, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So, yeah. Um, we should launch the British equivalent of the cam- the German campaign. We should to encourage the men. We should, to sit and down. And, uh, and we would we would dearly like suggestions, please, for mm. who should be the voice of the British. Say it again in German. It's called a WC Geist. WC Geist is the toilet ghost. Is the literal oh, translation. Okay. okay. So it could it could be this, couldn't it? It could. Ooh. Very. Oh, that's nice. You uh, you lift up the toilet lid and it goes. <laughs> that would be frightening. Can you imagine? You get up in the middle of the night, as I am prone to do these days, two of or three course. times. Yep. And you go. It. Can I never turn the light off? Do you turn the light no. on? No, I know where everything is. Um, I mean, the only I do turn it on occasionally just to make sure I've moved the toothbrush far ah, enough right. away. Fair, yes, fair enough. <laughs> but generally speaking, I I wonder. Um, with some accuracy, never bashing the toe, from mm-hmm. one side of the bed through to the ensuite, and uh, in complete darkness, maybe just the light of the moon coming through the frosted glass. Uh, <laughs> I do my business, having lifted the lid. But if I got in there and it was, it was very gothic with the light of the moon coming through the frosted mm. glass and darkness, and I lifted the lid and it went. I think I need to have a word with Mrs. Lewis and arrange a prank. That would give you the willies, wouldn't it? <laughs> Good God. Yeah, it'd give you another willy. It it would. Would. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of inventions, mm-hmm. come with me, if you would, to the late 18th century in Paris. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, some more. Aha! 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 Parisian! He's got all the palare, this fellow. Uh-huh. And yeah. he only ever goes in a tent. Fluent. Um, the ladies of Gay Paris in the 18th mm-hmm. century uh, were making use of something which had happened in America. Remember Benjamin Franklin and his kite uh, and electricity? But I remember hearing of him. Yes, yes. yes. Um, well, he didn't invent electricity. He didn't even discover electricity, but he did some experiments with electricity. And uh, part of it, these, the results of these experiments was the invention of the lightning rod. Mm. So you've got a lightning rod. It conducts the electricity and it takes it to ground or into a, a pot where he, he, he put the lightning in a jar, didn't he? I think as far, far as I remember. Did he? I'm pretty I'm, sure. There was no marmalade. I'm going to have to revisit the Benjamin jar. Franklin story. Anyway, the ladies of um, 18th century Paris, um, being very fashion conscious. Of course. And being, uh, it, it being a very scientific age, where new things came online all the time, uh, were, were, were given to going into milliners and mm-hmm. asking for... A new chapeau, une hat, s'il vous plaît, sans lightning rod. 
Avec lightning rod or Avec. Sans lightning Avec. Avec. Avec lightning rod. <laughs> to which the milliner would say, May we? Who <laughs> est le right lightning rod? <laughs> Gosh, it's like a it's like a talking trickler. Is it, it? Well, isn't it just? <laughs> they wore hats with a lightning conductor on them, Did and they, they were really? very, they were very fashionable. Goodness me! Um, and the, the, this lightning conductor would would come out of the top of the hat. These very much like the 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 wigs of the previous century. They would get bigger and bigger and bigger. These um, these hats would be quite statuesque, and there would be a lightning conductor and the lightning rod sticking out and then from the top of the lightning rod would come a wire which would go all the way down the back of the lady over the bustle mm. and uh past the past the gusset uh, and down to the very bottom of of her <laughs> dress her fashionable dress to ground so if the lady walking through Paris suddenly got struck by lightning she would not be affected, but the lightning rod would conduct the electricity, send it down the back of the dress and to ground where this wire was trailing her. Well, a big problem, was it? The uh, the Parisian ladies being hit by lightning? Uh, it was afterwards. Trying to get them on the bus was a bit difficult. <laughs> but, uh, but, the, but, but the men... Anytime they weren't near a, a dodgem ride must have been fun. <laughs> I think this is how the dodgems were first invented, funnily enough. They were invented by someone. Billy Butlin watched the ladies <laughs> of Gay Paris um, <laughs> perambulating uh, along the side of the Seine, uh, wearing mm. their lightning conductor hats, and he thought, if I just put a little bit of rubber around that woman, <laughs> she could be a dodger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the gentlemen were feeling very, very left out because a lightning rod on top of a top hat would, would never have. Never have eh. No. No. Why? No. Why would the lady I'll be avoiding the lightning and not the men? So they had umbrellas <laughs> with the lightning rod on the top ah. of the umbrella, and then the uh, the wire ah. hanging off the umbrella and going to ground. Fantastic! Yeah. The age of science. Take this, Mrs. Pierre. I have an umbrella. <laughs> you think you can singe my eyebrows? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the lightning rod, very, very fashionable in 18th what, century Paris. What a beautiful scene to imagine uh, in the style of one of the old master painters recreating the scene of the French women and men perambulating along the banks of the Seine. Well, obviously you've never seen Cézanne's Lady with Lightning Rod. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. No, I must check that one out. You must. It sounds like a, a thing of beauty. It's a hell of a thing. If I've been thinking about billion. updating the uh, walls of the uh, Rat and Thistle here with some. It's about works time of you art. bought some paintings off me. Mm. No, I said works of art. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so uh... <laughs> I think he's working on the <laughs> working on the uh, the understanding that one day I will buy a drink and then one day he will buy a painting. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, we can come to a, a gentleman's agreement here. Yes. I will let you pay for your drink with a painting. Oh, oh! The barter in system the, is alive and well. Yeah, absolutely. In the manner of an old fashioned uh, barterus. Write that one down, barterus. Barterus. Exchange. That's three, that's three new words. 
I mean, if you count creating new words just by adding us to the end of them, I've done well tonight, haven't I? You have, yes. <laughs> I've been uh, very inventiveness. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think you've, you'll find that you've been inventivated. <laughs> I am an inventivator. So, um, all right, well, inventivatorist. It's about that time, isn't it? You have to go and get the chips for Mrs. I, Lewis. I do. I have to go and get the chips for the old girl. And um, uh, uh, um, you'll notice that the dog is not with me this evening. Oh, is the dog unwell? Uh, the dog is out looking for a lightning conductor. Uh, <laughs> well, the dog's got more sense than the pair of us put together. Indeed. That's what's happened there. Well, I'll, uh, wish, I'll anyway, wish you adieu. Nice to see you. Thanks for coming. And I'll see you next time. Aye. Aye. Take care. Reservoir. Cheers. Toodle pip. That's time at the far end of the bar. You've been listening to Richard Lewis and Ben Orr. Find the fellas on all the socials. Just search hashtag TFEOTB or send them an email. It's thefarendofthebar at gmail.com. Most importantly, spread the word. Tell your friends and enemies, colleagues and family about this amazing podcast you've been listening to. We'll love you forever.